0: Hello, and welcome to SpyHards Podcast, where your hosts go deep undercover into the world of spy movies to decipher which films make the knock list. But remember, this information is strictly for your ears
1: only. I'm Agent Scott. And I'm Cam the Provocateur. Scott, get your head in the game, coleslaw. Coleslaw?
0: It's a hell of a nickname for uh, a hell of a film we're going to be looking at this week. And uh, we'll certainly be asking a lot of questions, including, does emoji stuff count? Mm, indeed. Mm, very deep questions coming your way later in the episode. But before we get there, we need to induct this week's SpyHards DieHards. Now, Cam, how does one become a SpyHards DieHard?
1: Yes, Scott, you can become a SpyHards DieHard by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts,
0: absolutely. You know, we're trying to uh, get people more involved here on the show. We thought this was a good way of uh, inducting some new members every week. And basically, if you're leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we pick the best of the best and read them out here on the show. And speaking of, we'd like to induct our latest member, Ber Twelve, and they write, "Yippee Kaye This was a terrific listen. The hosts are well-versed in the genre and researched on the films. He must have been listening to a different podcast. (laughs) It is rare to hear a podcast with pointed critique and sound reasoning. No rambling or shooting from the hip here. These gents are funny and knowledgeable, truly enjoyable. Give them a rating and subscribe, but this message will self-destruct in 15 seconds. 15? They gave him a bit more time than usual, actually. Yeah. um... Is that Hmm. enough time to write a review? Depends who's writing the review. That's very true. Uh, Brevity will save your life in this situation by the sounds of it, folks. That's right. And, of course, the other way to support us, if you can, is to join us over on Patreon at patreon.com slash spyhards. Over 50 episodes there and some very low-tier options to help show your Spyhards colors. And before we head over to the film, make sure to stick around. Friday, this week, we are joined by this week's film's second unit director and stunt coordinator, Mr. Garrett Warren. Alongside working on Ghosts, he's worked on films like Logan avatar he's worked on ready player one and that's just some in the last few years but in terms of spy credentials he's worked on films like mission impossible 3 and spy alongside Ghosts. so yeah a lot of fun to be had uh this week in our interview on friday but without further ado let's head to the review now, Cam, I know you've been excited to talk about this film for quite some time, but before we can get to it, we need to introduce our guest. Now, I searched far and wide for a specialist to join us this week and uh you know i was getting a bit agitated because i was sending our guests uh, a lot of texts and i was not getting a response i felt like i was being left on read but it turns out i was just sending emojis and they don't count but uh, when i sent an actual message she stepped up joining us for the fourth time on the show it is the one and only shayla miller
2: Hi, I am good, and I'm so excited to be here. You know what they say, fourth time's a charm.
0: Oh, Ooh. So I had to go and count this today, because I thought it was the third time, and I realized <laughs> we'd used your voice in something else, and uh, you were like inserted into an episode, and so this is the fourth time. There you go.
2: That's fantastic. Yeah. I love that. I'm so thrilled to be here.
0: It's, it's great to have you back. I think the last time was the 355?
2: Yes.
1: Wait a second. It was no, we did okay, the the Brosnan Roundtable on her Majesty's Secret Service, the three five five. Yeah. And if you're saying her voice is inserted in something else, that would make it a fifth appearance.
2: Oh well, you know what they say? Fifth time's a charm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Scott can't do math. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Fourth, fifth, seventh, a hundredth. You're welcome any point here, Shayla. So we're glad to have you back on the show. And I think before we get to the film in question. What's been going on for you the last sort of, I think it's been about a year since you've been on?
2: Yeah, I've just been kind of doing my thing, um, working, um, kind of like building plans for uh, the next season of Sweet Time. Mm -hmm. Um, The summer and the winter is always kind of busy for Chelsea. So um, we kind of just, you know, are throwing around ideas and then hopefully we'll start filming soon. Mm -hmm. Um, But other than that, just kind of enjoying life, watching good, bad movies like I love to do much like Ghosted, so, you know?
1: Spoiler. <laughs> <Ooh, laughs> spoiler.
0: Oh, getting a tease here.
2: Oh, yes. <laughs> well,
0: there's not been a ton in the sort of spy movie world over the last year. The big milestone recently, of course, was No Time to Die, which I'm sure we spoke to you about last time you were on the show, but just, it was a big film, and it sort of left its wake when it comes to the world of spy movies, especially the world of James Bond. But, you know, what are your thoughts on No Time to Die? Now you've been able to sort of digest it a little bit. Have they changed? Have they shifted?
2: Well, I don't know if they had shifted last time we spoke or not, but if they hadn't, they certainly have now. Um, I kind of, like, I watched it again and I don't really have a desire to ever revisit it. I kind of feel like I just don't think that they should have killed Bond. And I know it was, like, new and invigorating and fun, but was it, though? <laughs> like, you know, we just came out, we're, we're, we were, like, in a pandemic, and, and the invincible hero that we were supposed to, that, that gets through anything died because of a virus, and I was like, Oh, gosh, that's a bummer like it I don't know it it was there was a lot of good stuff about it, um, but I don't think i would I don't really want to revisit it anytime soon.
1: well, I'd love to know you know Daniel Craig, as you said, is basically his bond is ashes at this point, but the wheels are ever so slowly turning on whatever the next phase of bond will be. What would you like to see? Has anything kind of like sprung to your mind like kind of as a reaction to the Craigs that maybe you'd like to see changed up?
2: Yeah, I I kind of had the thought that, I, that it would be cool to, like, take it back to the 60s and sort of just, like, reinvigorate it that way because I don't really think you can carry forward any of the actors um, from the Craig era um, just because his bond is toast, and so mm-hmm. they kind of should also be toast. Um, so, but if they don't go back to the sixties, I just think kind of getting back to some more fun, like sort some more like Roger Moore, Pierce Brosnan era, sort of just, just fun, just not so dreary. Like I appreciate the Craig era for what it is and what it was. And he was a great Bond and he had some great movies. I just think, you know, getting back to some fun would be, would be fun. Well, I think they kind of took
1: it to the furthest possible point when you are having Bond killed and that movie was pretty inspired by logan and that was Mm -hmm. you know the darkest grittiest wolverine story we'd ever seen and you know it kind of hit that point and then when we see wolverine next he's going to be in deadpool 3 in a comedy so maybe it's time to hey we've had bond face death let's get back to bond embracing life a little more
2: yeah exactly and i mean bond follows trends like you just said like you know kind of went after logan so keep following logan sure let's go for some more fun let's but maybe also i don't know something new and fresh like new ideas don't follow don't be the dark knight don't you know just Mm -hmm. just just come up with a fun bond film if they have to take years to figure it out that's fine i guess just make it good bond
1: famously does love jumping on trends and the trends that are big the ones that are kind of changing the industry. So I guess my question to you is, how is Barbie going to influence the next Bond?
2: Oh, please. I would love it to so much. Put him in a pink tuxedo. Let's go. Let's go. I loved that film. I thought it was so well done. Um, yes, please. <laughs> Make Bond Barbie. Let's go. Let's do it. She should be the Bond girl. Well, oh, never know. You get Margot
0: Robbie in a Bond film. I think you get a lot of butts in seats
2: it's true absolutely my butt would be sitting mm-hmm. i'll tell you that
0: i'd be standing and clapping the whole time but that's uh mm-hmm. i'd probably get dragged out of the theater for that to be fair <laughs> and it's it's also interesting you you talk about um barbie but one of the things the barbie film does is, is it's quite meta in it in it's sort of it's very introspective about sort of the branding and marketing and maybe that is the way bond goes now and becomes more wit. it's like kind of more witticisms more self-referential humor that sort of stuff. It could definitely go that way. But I think, like, if you look at the 27 films, 25 films, if you want to argue with me, I don't care, 27 films. I think, apart from five, they've all been mildly funny or fun. Yeah. So maybe mm-hmm. let's just go back to the sh- the percentage that seems to be quite popular that people talk about, the the fun times. And if you look at in trends in-, in cinema, I mean, there are a lot of, plot-based thrillers out there and that, that sort of stuff but there is a lot more fun in cinema now we're not in those grim dark post 9-11 days where the Bourne's were coming out that sort of we've kind of moved on a little bit now we're seeing things like barbie make the most amount of money this entire year yeah maybe it's time to have a a bit of a giggle at the pictures again
1: agreed or across the spider-verse as well like these movies yeah. are the ones that are really connecting so and they're very energetic. Uh, very hyperkinetic in a lot of their visual style. So I think there's a lot you could do. Bond into this. I I just actually I don't want a a,
0: a metaverse mm-hmm. metaverse multiverse bond thing. Let's not have uh Dalton and and Brosnan do a. Avengers portal scene. We'll probably just never have that, please. I don't ever want to see that.
1: Well, you're kind of. You we could do it as it. like a joke.
2: Yeah. As a joke. I'm kind of selling it.
1: <laughs> if Dalton showed up out of a portal in the middle of the movie, you would be <laughs> applauding harder than if Margot Robbie showed up. It's true. Maybe. like He comes out, he's like, on your left. It's like, <laughs> oh, what?
0: <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> if Broston steps out, it's like, for England. It's like,
1: ah! everyone's just cheering. <laughs> Sure.
0: And and then the other thing as well, just before we get to the film, there's been some films over the last year since you were last on the show, Shayla, in terms of spy movies. Have any jumped out at you that you've caught over the last year?
2: Uh, Was Greyman in the last year?
0: I think it was. I think it was. That's one of the ones I was going to suggest if you couldn't think of any. But yeah, Grey Man was, in terms of like a streaming film, which is kind of what we're talking about this week, This that's also a perfect thing to compare against.
2: Yeah, that that is the only one that's come to mind for me, and I had fun with that one, you know. Even though everybody seemed to hate it, I once again had fun at, <laughs> with the good bad movies.
1: And where did you stand on Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol, or not? And where did you stand on Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning, <laughs> the fourth film in the franchise?
2: <laughs> I actually have not seen Dead Reckoning. Oh, okay. Yeah, I haven't wow. gone to. Yeah, Barbie was like the one movie. I saw Barbie and I saw The Last Haunting of Venice.
1: So did Scott and I.
2: <laughs> I haven't seen that many. It was good.
1: We saw it together. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh, that's awesome. I had a good time with it. Um, but yeah, like I don't, I haven't really gone to the movies. Well, that's fair. How exciting. I, what a life.
1: <laughs> I'd love to see Kenneth Branagh as M. I think uh, that would be amazing. Yeah. With the mustache. Yeah. Of course. Absolutely. Well, we teased it, but let's get to it. Cam, what are we talking about? We are talking about Ghosted from 2023, starring Anna Darmus and Chris Evans. This is... I think I said this last week when I queued it up. Is it our most recent film we've ever tackled? No, I think um, I think Spy Kids 5 is now. But that was one where we didn't plan it necessarily in advance. We realized mm-hmm. that no one would care about that movie after about three or four weeks, and so we decided to bump it way up in the watch order. And it turns out no one cared about it in its first week either. <laughs> Behind the scenes, <laughs> yes, that's true.
0: <laughs> womp womp. Where's that slide whistle, Cam? Yeah, I
1: don't know.
0: <laughs> it's fine, it's fine. Uh, well, yeah, Ghosted is here, and, and, and let's talk about it. But for those of you who haven't caught the film uh, and are not aware of what Ghosted is and had not seen that trailer that kind of went viral for a little while as well, here is your synopsis. Ghosted. Finding that special someone can be a real adventure. God, that's so corny. (laughs) (laughs) Salt of the earth, Cole, falls head over heels for enigmatic Sadie. It feels like AI wrote this. The movie or the synopsis? Well, that's a good question, Cam. But then makes the shocking discovery that she's a secret agent. Before they can decide on a second date, Cole and Sadie are swept away on an international adventure to save the world. Sure. Dun, yep. Dun, dun. That was the film. Cam seems unimpressed. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about spoilers. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's throw it out there. I hadn't seen it before watching it for this review. Shayla, had you caught it? You mentioned you only ever seen I think, The, the, the Grey Man this year.
2: Yeah, I hadn't watched Ghosted. No, not until not until I got the call from the Spy Hearts to hop on board. So then I thought, okay, let's let's get Ghosted.
0: Okay, that's that's I mean, it's Anna De and Chris Evans. It's not the biggest of asks in the world.
2: It's true. Like they they're fantastic and actually they work together a lot, which is kind of cool too. Like with Knives Out, Gray Man, like mm-hmm. it's cool to see them in another film together.
1: It's interesting though, we have three spy movie fans here. And Ghosted was a major release like this was not a small little quiet movie released, you know, to the corners of the Internet. This has two massive stars. And it is interesting to me that none of us watched it when it was released. And there was a pretty big marketing push from Apple to push, you know, to get this movie released. And uh, I kind of feel like that was the story of Ghosted. Like I almost feel like audiences ghosted, ghosted.
2: Oh, that's so poetic. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Well,
0: I can I can one up the sadness if you'd like. Uh-oh. Okay. A little a little behind the scenes here, folks. Uh There was a point in time where we were going to do a declassified episode for Ghosted.
1: That's right. I forgot about this.
0: Yeah. And we were contacted <laughs> by an agency uh, like we are for our declassified episodes and offered us interviews. They offered us in, at one point, at one point in time, they offered us interviews with Anna Diarmas and Chris Evans.
1: Yeah. Well, C- can you believe that? Right. I, uh, that we could have had them both on the show. I feel like this was a case too, where you were going to do it solo because yeah. the times that were available, like I couldn't do it because of work. So it was going to be like a Scott one-on-one with the stars of uh, ghosted. Yeah hmm
2: Mm-hmm. That's a lot of pressure. Hey, I, mm. I was
1: looking forward to the to it. And and yeah, you know, they also offered
0: us an interview with the director Dexter Fletcher as well. So I was like, yep, I'll have everyone. Let's let's go full ghosted. Go team ghosted, right? Mm. And then they ghosted us.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Whoa.
0: Yeah. And so I did some digging. And it turns out that they pulled most of their marketing for this film. In terms of the in the, the the interviews with with cast, there are a couple of like BuzzFeed Yahoo type interviews they did online that are on YouTube. You can look them up, but there are you won't find like them on most major podcasts or anything promoting this film. They pulled almost all of it. The only thing they did do was some interviews with Dexter Fletcher, the director in the end, but yeah they either they got wind of it not going down well with people or something happened behind the scenes, but they pulled everything
1: and yeah they genuinely ghosted us on ghosted wow i wonder if it was a response to when the embargo went down for reviews and they weren't thrilled with the response they were getting critically and just decided that they didn't want to march the actors out there at that point i don't know
2: what a bummer though like stick with the ship even though it's going down you know
1: yeah (laughs)
2: just that would have been cool to have them on the show regardless like as you could they could have talked about their experience and what fun they had, despite whatever the film turned out like. That's a bummer.
0: It's a shame. I understand that there's, like, payments and stuff. You know, you don't want to necessarily pay these people to get, like, hair and makeup and things like that for a whole day and sit in front of cameras to talk to nerds like me. (laughs) Totally get it. But there was a little bit of disappointment, and it left a little bit of a sore taste in my mouth that they sort of put it out there and then withdrew it at the last second, like a high five that someone pulled away because I'm too slow. uh, Yeah, it hurt me a little bit. So that's actually the reason why I never watched it until now.
2: Well, I don't blame you. I can't believe they ghosted you. They could have at least sent you a message just to say sorry.
0: Even an emoji would have done.
2: Seriously? (laughs) Actually, no, wait. Emojis don't count.
1: Emojis definitely (laughs) count. They definitely count.
2: No, they do count. I I agree.
1: And I'll just say, like, I didn't watch it. I didn't have the broken heart over the interview that you did. (laughs) Uh, For me, it was just like it came out and... The, like, complete lack of buzz or, you know, I listen to a lot of film podcasts. No one was saying, check out Ghosted. It was just kind of like, I mean, the, you know, it was very quiet. And so I thought, eh, I'll catch up with it when we cover it on the show. Which
0: is, yeah, I'm assuming there are thousands of people that are waiting for us to do the reviews so they can then watch the film as well. I would assume. Based on how many of the reviews there are on Letterboxd and IMDb. Yeah, obviously. Mm. <laughs> well, Cam. How
1: did we get ghosted? Okay, so the movie emerged basically from a pitch by writers Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, who are a pair of uh, writer-producers. They're a team, and they kind of got their start in the early 2000s with the reality spoof show, The Joe Schmo Show. That's difficult to say quickly. The Joe Schmo Show. Try to say that three times. (laughs) Now, that's not what made them famous, though. That's kind of what got their foot in the door. They became shortly after known as the Zombieland guys. They were the writers of Zombieland. And that really kind of kicked open the door for them to become go-to studio guys. And so since then, they've uh, written movies like G.I. Joe Retaliation, the two Deadpool films, Life, uh, and Six Underground. They work with Ryan Reynolds a lot. And this was their follow-up to Spiderhead, which was a fairly recent uh, film from the director of Top Gun Maverick, um, Joseph Kaczynski. And that one starred um, Chris uh, Hemsworth. So this was their follow-up to that. And they developed this story and sold it off to Skydance Entertainment. And Apple acquired it shortly after. They have a story credit and a screenplay. So they had basically what happened was they sold this. They had a screenplay. But I think once it was acquired by Apple, that's when it was developed further. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the original concept was. If it changed at all, probably not. It was probably pretty similar but they're very, very irreverent in their work. So I do wonder if it was maybe a little quirkier in their initial take. I have no way of knowing. It involved uh, involved ghosts originally. (laughs) Possibly, yes. And I think it's around the point that Apple acquires it that Chris Evans comes on as a producer because he plays a major role in putting this movie together. And he's the one that brought in Dexter Fletcher. And Dexter Fletcher was a child star, Started out in the early 70s. His debut was in 1973's Steptoe and Sun Ride Again, which I've never heard of. But in 76, he was in Bugsy Malone, which was a big movie of the time. Jodie Foster was in it as a kid. And it was like a spoof of gangster movies with kids, where they had machine guns that shot marshmallows and things like that. And then over the span of kind of his young life, he appeared in movies like The Long Good Friday, The Elephant Man, The Bounty. As he got older, The Man Who Knew Too Little... Um, Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels, Band of Brothers, Layer Cake. Um, he's in a lot of Matthew Vaughn films. Mm-hmm. And he also pops up in this movie as Raoul, who is the man in the trunk at the very end of the film.
2: Oh, oh. fun. Fun. I love a good Easter egg.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I, I did read that he was in the film, but I never figured out where. So there you go. You
1: don't really see his face, I don't think. No, they apparently played a prank where chris evans locked him in the trunk for three or four minutes or something like that all those (laughs) all those guys goofing around on set (laughs) ghosted a lot of cut-ups going on there (laughs) i I watched the
0: blooper reel for this earlier and it's three minutes long and one and a half minutes is dancing that's always the case i can't stand uh blooper reels anymore it's just people dancing i i mean i'm not sure i want like an oliver reed level like losing their mind and swearing at everyone (laughs) Like, that's probably a bit too far, but I don't, I don't sure. know. I, I quite like seeing actors stumble over their words and, like, or like, I, the the reel for Liar Liar is the one that always gets me because there's it's Jim Carrey doing alternate takes and people are like trying to throw things at him to get him to break. That's fun to watch. People just doing dances
1: because they get like tongue tied doesn't do it for me.
2: I agree. That Liar Liar one, oof, that's a good blooper reel.
1: I watched the, um, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 blooper reel the other day And a lot of dancing A lot of <laughs> dancing and cutting up To me like if it's not going to be like a liar liar Give me like a Jackie Chan sure. Blooper reel where it's like him breaking his legs <laughs> Yeah I just want to <laughs> see Jackie Chan break his legs he does it a lot cam smith (laughs) he does it a lot people okay um so dexter fletcher moved into directing in 2011 with a british drama called wild bill which i don't know made much of a dent over here are you familiar with it scott at all no no tame bill is all i know okay it was about a parolee who i think like kind of becomes involved in kind of an unconventional family unit or something like that it did get good reviews and it kicked open the door for him to start directing because then he did Eddie the Eagle with Taron Egerton which was kind of a minor hit he also um, was the guy brought in to fix Bohemian Rhapsody mm-hmm. because Brian Singer left that production uh, just kind of disappeared into the night at a certain point and so Dexter Fletcher was who the studio brought in to carry that movie to the finish line and he would also of course do Rocket Man which kind of made his name as a director he also did, uh, well
0: this is more of a British reference, but Sunshine on Leith, which is the story of the Proclaimers for North Americans and people around the world. They're the people who did uh, 500 Miles.
2: I love that song.
1: Oh, how I enjoy hearing that song in a bar every place <laughs> I went in Australia. Uh, but ironically, you travel 500 miles to get there to hear it. It's true. No <laughs> kidding. Uh, and so, yeah, this was um, Dexter Fletcher's follow-up to, he did a couple episodes of the recent TV series, The Offer, which was about the making of The Godfather. Oh. And uh, I heard it was terrible, but, uh, yep, it was a very star-studded prestige project.
0: I mean, I'm not even a fan of part three, so I doubt I would have cared about the TV show, Accompaniment.
1: I mean, The Making of The Godfather, it was a very interesting era, but uh, I just heard the show was not particularly strong. Um uh, Yeah. And so Dexter Fletcher said, like, what inspired him with this material was he really loved Raiders of the Lost Ark and Romancing the Stone and those sort of adventure Mm -hmm. films from the 80s. And so that's kind of what he was looking at. But Chris Evans and him brought in two other writers to work on the script, which brought it to basically the finished form. And that was another writing team, um, Eric Summers and Chris McKenna. And they kind of began their careers in different places. Um, Chris McKenna did the 2008 animated film Igor. That was kind of a bomb, Mm -hmm. but uh, it's like an animated take on the character of Igor, obviously. And Eric Summers began in TV doing shows like Three South and Crank Yankers and also Drawn Together. They both kind of come from the animated world, but um, Eric Summers was more kind of the very irreverent comedy world. What a name. Crank Yankers. It was like prank calls from
0: uh, Muppets. That's, uh, that's wow. a lot of layers for your comedy, isn't it? Like it's
1: uh, How would you know that it's Muppets over the phone? You don't, but it's like a visual thing. So you're watching Muppets make prank calls. Did it do well? I feel like it was kind of like one of those shows that was on late night TV. So if you were hanging out with friends at midnight, you might watch Crank Anchors for half an hour. Do you currently have the munchies? Well, if you do, <laughs> Crank Anchors <laughs> might be your thing. It was indeed a thing. And so the two of them kind of come together. They both worked on American Dad and Community. And McKenna was a producer on like 80-something episodes of Community as well. Okay. Uh, So they wrote a few episodes. They were both producers on both of those shows at different times. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they did crossover. And then they began working together in the screenplay world on major motion pictures. They began with Lego Batman movie. They did the uh, Marvel Spider-Man trilogy. They did Ant-Man and the Wasp, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. And this was actually their follow up to No Way Home. That's a that's a pretty good lineup of films to be working on. It is, although I will note that if you look at the credits for those films, they're usually two of maybe, you know, five or six credited writers, especially when you get to like the Marvel stuff. Which seems
0: to be more and more the way these days, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. 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 Okay. So they had a script, they have a director, and they needed a co star for Chris Evans, and so obviously they went to Scarlett Johansson. And she said yes. And the rest was history. <laughs>
0: Ghosted, everyone.
1: That's right. <laughs> she, she she is there. She
0: is there. <laughs> In spirit.
2: Oh, nice. <laughs> I see what you did there.
1: Yes. She apparently was very collaborative. She was submitting notes they were really into, but had to leave due to a scheduling conflict. I'm wondering if that was Asteroid City, because that's the only thing really on her filmography I could really line up timeline-wise with uh with this well that was filmed post pandemic wasn't it ghost asteroid city sorry i think so
0: yeah well this this is definitely a pandemic project because i've seen videos of yeah dexter
1: in a mask so i'm not exactly sure what the scheduling conflict was or maybe she was tied like under contract to a movie that just didn't happen i don't know when when was marriage story done oh i think before this okay. Like a year or two before this
2: so Maybe she had nothing on the go and she just was like, I don't want to be in this movie. It's actually not that good. And just made something up. I'm afraid of ghosts. She ghosted, ghosted.
1: Oh, she kind of did. She left them on red. <laughs> and so um, Dexter Fletcher basically just said, Chris Evans is a great guy and much loved by everyone he works with. So when things didn't quite work out with Scarlet, which was his other great plan, I think Anna was his next go-to, sort of. I mean, I said to him, "What about Anna?" And he was on the phone with her within the next three seconds. If only he had that sort of uh, expediency when it came to our interview. <laughs> no kidding. And actually, Anna initially couldn't do it because of Ballerina, and then Ballerina got moved in schedule, so then she was available to do this. She's basically bounced
0: like from action film to action film over the last few years. Since like No Time to Die, it's been obviously Blonde was in there in
1: between, but yeah, she no wonder she's pretty good when it comes to the action in this film. Yeah. And so Dexter Fletcher, uh he said like this movie was just a dream to shoot. They worked hard and it tested very well. There was no reshoots, no pickups. He even said there was no deleted scenes. He said everything wound up in the movie and he called it one of those rare magic moments. I, or 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 you could read that as that's all I had. <laughs> I think it's amazing. Like yeah, he, he really does say like this was one of the best productions he ever worked on.
0: I mean that's great in terms of not having studio notes and being told to go back and reshoot half your film. Just look at what happened to I mean, name some things happening at the moment. Uh the Marvels had like f- yeah. two different sets of reshoots. It's not even out yet. Aquaman two also. Yeah, another great one, a very recent one. Crazy. So yeah, okay. That's 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 a pretty good uh
1: pretty good lead up. Yeah. And he just said Apple was thrilled and was like, nope, we've got it. We've got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so, like, the movie obviously didn't open in theaters, so I don't have box office. I'll just say the top three for the year. Number one was Barbie, which we mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Number two, Super Mario Brothers. And number three, Oppenheimer. I don't think that'll change before the end of this year. I think it's highly unlikely. And uh, in the kind of the, like, aftermath, like, Fletcher said he'd love to do a sequel. He was even like throwing out titles like "Roasted" or "Hosted" as potential follow-up titles. <laughs> Scott shaking his head <laughs> aggressively. <laughs> You've got something with "Ghosted."
0: Like there's a there's a joke there. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of sort of sets up their relationship. Why would you give that up? I, I'm just trying to think of like ghost puns you could put in there.
2: But "Roasted" mm. would be kind of funny, and you could have that lady from the market and who was in this movie. I forget her name, but she she's the one that offered um coal edibles like you could you could call it roasted and then just have oh
0: like that kind of roasted yeah
2: and have her have her go on a mission
0: a really (laughs) laid-back spy mission
2: yeah there you go (laughs)
0: low stakes everyone (laughs) we're chilling out here the pineapple express of spy movies yeah yeah
2: there you go listen
0: to the grateful dead it's a very very uh it's it's like thunderball basically it's a very laid-back
2: yep Mm. 24 minutes underwater But
1: you're selling it, Shayla. I'm loving this. (laughs) I hate this film now. It's the worst. (laughs) Throw in some sharks. This is officially the greatest spy film ever. Officially. (laughs) Ouch. Mm. And because of the fact this didn't open in theaters and we don't have any real sense of what the metrics were and how many people watched this thing, the only thing I could find is sort of a kind of a final button to put on kind of the aftermath of the movie was an interview with Chris Evans where it was fairly recently he was talking about a new project and they asked him about Ghosted and he said Ghosted to me felt like a movie that I grew up on a movie that maybe we don't see very much of anymore and the question is whether or not audiences have outgrown those types of films I mean technically I think we did okay on in terms of viewership critics didn't like it but that's more the fault of the movie as opposed to the appetite of the audience I think the appetite's there if it's done properly we could have done better that feels like a
0: massive non-answer
1: to the question.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, but there is a a little bit. I and I know you're not a big believer in the sort of trivia section of IMDb, but there are some viewer stats in there. If you did, you stumble across those, Cam? Yeah, but I like it's IMDb trivia, so I could have submitted that. Okay, well, it's there if you want to have a look at it, folks. I'm not sure I much believe it either, because it seems very low for a film that's coming out on Apple TV Plus.
1: Yeah, and the thing is, it's like user submitted. And so it's like a lot of the people I find on IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes will often pile up on a movie like this. Mm. So, like, I don't know. Well, let's let's throw it to Shayla, because I don't think
0: Shayla's read this, or I assume Shayla's not read this trivia section on, on IMDb. How many views would you say, according to this statistic, Ghosted had in its first two days?
2: Worldwide. Worldwide. Right. Hmm. Well, would you believe that I have been in that trivia section? Oh no. Of IMDb? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> she wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't really <laughs> I don't really remember. So what but was it like 200,000 something views or something? No, that sounds like too many. It's
0: it's higher than that, but not by much. But it is quite a surprisingly low number, isn't
2: it? Yeah. But I did I read somewhere and I don't know if it was on IMDb or somewhere else that um this project was like one of the first that people actually sat and watched the whole thing as as opposed to like an apple tv thing that you start and don't finish people actually finished this one i don't
0: uh, allegedly it says the it, it's 20% above the average completion rate for the platform right which is what i put on my tinder profile <laughs>
1: cam's a late bloomer for that joke
0: it
2: took
1: a little while to grow there it did it did i was also just quickly because i forgot looking up the budget of the movie and it was like pretty modestly budgeted around 40 ish million maybe 45 so like Mm -hmm. it wasn't a huge gamble for apple it's not like them spending 200 million on killers of the flower moon for example true true
0: all right then folks we're off to see the tax man let's get ghosted Let's talk about this film. Shayla, guests always go first. What do you think
2: of Ghosted? Well, overall, I will say I had a good time. Um, I'm not always Mm -hmm. looking for, you know, a film to redefine the wheel or to, you know, be some crazy good, like, earth-shattering movie. Sometimes I just want to shut my brain off and have fun. I feel like that was definitely this movie. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't quite feel the chemistry between um chris and anna i think they played off well against each other but not romantically um Mm -hmm. but overall i mean i had a good time there were some funny bits um i particularly liked the bus slow mo like all that bus chase Mm -hmm. was really cool um though there was one part where like it's like all slow-mo and Cole watches these two men like fly out of their truck and like fly by and then they're just gone. They just vanished. They didn't fall (laughs) down. They did. They just fell into the ether. They were just gone. That was fun. Um, (laughs) But no, I thought thought it was, they were ghosts. They were ghosts. Yeah. They turned into ghosts. There we go. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, overall I like I had a good time. It was, it was a good, bad movie. Like it wasn't, a Good movie, but it was a good bad one if that makes sense.
1: Hmm. How do you compare it to like something like because you were on to review the 355? Mm-hmm. Like, do you compare it along the same lines as that, or which do you see as like the superior film? I suppose.
2: Um, I think the 355 was probably better, but hmm. they are kind of similar because they're, I feel like the 355 was also a film that, um, like I had fun with, but the reviews are like not great for, um, mm-hmm. but. I don't know. I had fun with both of them. Like they just, they were a good time. I I wasn't bored.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's fair. Yeah.
0: No, I have no objection to anything you just said there because basically that's a lot of what I get from this film too. It's it's for me. It's a fun romp. It's not reaching for five stars, nor is it trying to be. It it's very much happy to be sort of sat in the middle of the shelf and have a fun time with it. And, you know, you mentioned, like, the bus sequence. I think there's, and we'll get to that in the like section, but some of the stunt work in here is tremendous. The the fights and the action are really great and better than you'd expect from a movie that's just got shoved onto Apple TV Plus, Go, Max, Hmm. whatever it's called. I, I, I was impressed by it, and I wasn't, I had all this sort of bad sort of energy in my head because of the reviews of this film and also my experiences before i was expecting a really rough time and i actually was pleasantly surprised with the two hours they flew by and i came out with sort of a thumbs up Uh, overall i mean it's maybe it's not going to haunt me (laughs) oh boy (laughs) if you'll pardon the pun
2: oh man (laughs)
0: I I have quite a few of these ghost puns, but I I've uh, overplayed my hand when it comes to puns recently. So maybe I'll pull. No, back. please keep
2: them but coming. Yeah, I...
0: Please keep them coming. Okay, <laughs> fine. I have lots. You found your
2: audience. It's me. I love puns. <laughs>
0: okay. All I need is an audience of one because that's that's all we have anyway. So it's 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 great, and I had a good time with it. And yeah, you know, I agree though, and maybe we'll talk about that for a second. Is the chemistry problem?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think that is something that is weirdly missing. From a film where they actually had good chemistry in a different film recently. Yeah, two films.
2: exactly. Yeah, two films.
0: Yeah, yeah. Actually, both of them. I, I've forgotten, but yeah, they are together in the Gray Man for a while. Yeah. So I I don't know what went wrong here.
1: It, uh, yeah, uh, I I think like I'm much less positive on this one. I think like this is oh. if you're gonna make a romantic comedy, I think it's bordering on disaster. I think these two are often awful together. And I could not, like, I was just so baffled because, like, the banter was so awful. And you had actors struggling through it and giving terrible line deliveries. And it just felt awkward. There's a point where they're on a date. And he makes one quote, or not quote, but he makes, like, um, he mentions one little trivia note about Abraham Lincoln. And she's like, you are really into Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> and I'm like, he said one thing. Like, <laughs> this, like, what is going on? It feels like robots talking to each other. And the entire relationship is so toxic throughout that I feel like with romantic comedies, there's a line they got to walk. Yes, you have to have tension between the two. But I have to believe at the end that I would want to see these two people together. And it is dire stuff. He's like creepy and weird off the top. Aggressive. Aggressive. Uh, Very aggressive through the course of the movie. Their bickering is usually mean-spirited. It's rarely playful and fun the way that like Dexter Fletcher is mentioning Romancing the Stone. That is fun, light comedic dialogue. These are two people yelling at each other a lot and it's not particularly funny. And the fact that like they meet up at one point with this ex of hers and it's just Chris Evans like snarling and like throwing kind of mean comments at her about like a guy she dated. This is someone he went out on with one, like for one date. Mm -hmm. And I just found like that attitude kind of hung over the movie and I just never bought the relationship at all, at all. There was not a single moment. I felt like I was watching two very talented movie star people who the audience is kind of giving a pass to because we know who they are. They're very likable Mm -hmm. as talents, but it was very noteworthy to me that you had two separate examples of side characters saying, you two are so hot together. Oh my God, get a room. And I'm like, they are speaking speaking for the audience because none of this is on screen.
2: That's what I was going to say while you were talking. I was like, yeah, because there were so many characters that were like, you two are so hot together. You should get a room. And I'm like, eh, I don't know. They're kind of angry at each other. But
1: <laughs> Yeah. I, uh...
2: I,
0: I, I can't disagree with that analysis, Cam, because I think we all agree there is a, a very much a lacking in the chemistry department. But just like a, a question to, to I guess, everyone here. And I'll, maybe specifically, at Cam, because of how long you've been sort of studying films. If you're in this position as a as a director, what do you do? Because they've clearly had chemistry in other films. What where is it not coming through? Is it like is it the
1: direction? Is it just not working on set? What's the problem here? Well, the script doesn't work. Like, there's no funny banter for these actors to have together. So that's a huge problem. Um, I I just think it really comes back to the script. I think I don't know how much this thing got worked over in mm. terms of development, but whatever they wound up with did not work. And, like, you have a very generic spy film, which, I mean, that's kind of par for the course in these kind of genre mashups. Like, we talked about The Spy Who Dumped Me, which is, like, this done well. Um, That one has also a very generic spy plot, but it carries you along, and it's fun to watch those characters dropped into it. I think, like, in theory, the fun of this movie is having Chris Evans dropped into it, someone who is not an action guy, and, you know, kind of reversing the genders, doing a Romancing the Stone where, you know... Love that. Yeah, Anadarmus is the Michael Douglas, and he gets to be the Kathleen Turner. That's a mm-hmm. fun idea, but I think there's, like, some disastrous casting on having him, honestly, as the lead of this movie, which maybe I'll get to in my dislikes later down the road, but I just think it fundamentally breaks the movie. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> Let's talk about this
0: now for a second, because it is outrageous to put across a thesis that Chris Evans is an unlikable nerd. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, he is, he isn't, he, uh, the idea that he is uh, too geeky to be loved is a weird concept in itself. But like anything Chris Evans does in this film, he looks like a superhero Mm -hmm. or like this vision of masculinity that everyone must bow down. I know I do. And it's like, I don't know how he could have have this bad luck for all of his life. He clearly isn't the right guy to be casting in this role.
2: I kind of loved it, though. Like, I don't, like, I think he plays nerdy quite well. Like, I kind of dug Cole as, like, this hilarious little creepy farmer guy. Like, I kind of, I don't know. (laughs) Like, I bought bought it. Like, I I enjoyed his casting, I think. Like, I don't know. I, I liked it.
1: To me, like, these types of movies, you want the character who is being pulled into it to feel like an outsider. So, like, every time they are showing me, like, oh, my God, Chris Evans is shooting at people. Oh, my God, he's in a fistfight. It should feel like someone who's a fish out of water. There's never a moment where that's sold to me. And at the end of the movie, he shows up in a tuxedo, like, or whatever, like a very fancy suit to go meet with this villain. And I'm like, this should be the moment where the whole audience goes, holy crap, like... It's like a pretty woman moment. Like suddenly, you know, like Cinderella is born as he walks out in this suit. And I'm like, well, we all know Chris Evans looks great in suits. Like this isn't a big, uh, a big moment. I'm not saying they should cast like the, um, you know, really, really schlubby guy because then it turns into another type of wish fulfillment here going on. Mm -hmm. But like find someone who doesn't look like a conventional action star.
2: No, I get that.
1: Well, this is like the, the sort of Nigel Faucet thing, isn't it? Like,
0: you, you can get Ron Atkinson to come in here and, <laughs> and, oh my god, Scott, there's your movie. It's great, though, isn't it? Like, him and Anna Diamas. I want to see that love story happen.
1: It's a bit creepy, but uh, put that to one side for a second. I want them to spray his hair and make him a contemporary of hers and never acknowledge <laughs> that they look at all different in terms of age. What up, fellow spies? I've been living with my parents on the
2: farm. That would be a film that I would be ghosting. I'm sorry, I'm out for that one.
0: (laughs) Fair enough, but yeah, I, I I get I get the point, and 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 if it works for you, shayla that's perfectly fine. I'm sure it works for a lot of people. Chris Evans has the range to play geeky, but the the thing that like lets me down with that is he becomes so adept mm-hmm. hmm. very early on in the film like you mentioned the bus ride which i think is a is a really good sequence mm-hmm. but you have but like it's played as if because they say early on in the film he, he wrestled in high school did you tell her that he wrestled in high school yeah no i have wrestled in high school and alone i can't beat people up like, yeah
1: I, but <laughs>
0: a lot of uh, can that's disgusting how dare you <laughs> that's Bring not what i down. meant that's
1: not what i meant yeah yeah you were like yes. shadow wrestling that was your specialty
0: <laughs> oh Shadow, I know shadow boxing. What's shadow wrestling? Do I just grapple myself to the ground? Basically, yeah. (laughs) Oh, okay. Cam, the professional over here. Mm. Uh, Yeah, so you just um, completely coiled me to lose my point there. Thanks, Cam. You're (laughs) welcome.
2: That was a note that I made, though. He did become, like, really good at everything too quickly. Like, because the bus ride, when he's hanging off the edge, like, the bus thing, like, swung out, and he's just, like, hanging on for dear life over this big ravine. I was like... A nerdy farmer who, like, keeps bees would just fall. Like, whether you did wrestling or not, like, I don't know. Like, it just seemed like he was too good at what he, at at everything. Which maybe he was just lucky? I don't know, but.
1: I feel like, Shayla, you've touched on something, though, that, like, this is becoming a trope that I'm seeing again and again. It's not specific to Ghosted. This is an example of it. But, like, even the True Lies TV show that Scott and I covered, they had the Jamie Lee Curtis character Brought into that TV show, and she's like a specialist in spycraft. In like episode two, she's like outdoing mm-hmm. you know her husband character, like the Arnold Schwarzenegger character.
0: I will specify: Jamie Lee Curtis was not in this. It was someone who played the same character as her.
1: Yes, I think it was. Yeah, Ginger, something. It starts with a G. Um, but Gonzaga. Nonetheless, the show's canceled. I don't. I don't need to know these things anymore. Sure, I think so. Um, but to me, like, if you're going to do this type of story. True Lies jumps to mind a lot, you know, the the movie. Jamie Lee Curtis is tied into spycraft at a certain point in the movie. But, like, the mm-hmm. thrill of it is seeing someone who through, you know, three-quarters of the movie is, like, giving a very, like, physical performance where Jamie Lee Curtis seems so demure and so nervous and shy. You see the way she is with Bill Paxton's character that when you get her thrown into, like, that limo chase, it's genuinely suspenseful because it seems like someone that could be in danger. With Chris Evans, I never felt this man was in danger. When it comes to the revolving restaurant scene at the end, he's basically James
0: Bond. It's true. Yeah. Uh, I think there could have been more comedy in not having that there. Like having him bumble through and stumble into the sort of MacGuffin at the end. Yada, yada, yada. But we'll get to picking the film apart a little bit more. Let's talk about things that we did like. And there are stuff. I I, I like a lot of this film. But Shayla, you're up first. Something you liked about this film.
2: My absolute favorite part of this movie that made it completely like worth the watch mm-hmm. is the whole hitman scene where they mm. just plow through really great stars like Sebastian Stan, Anthony Mackie, John Cho. They just kill them all in, in like 15 minutes. And it's so funny and I just think about like, was Chris Evans just one day like, oh, you guys are filming Falcon and Winter Soldier. Do you want to just hop over to my set for a second and just take like an hour of your time and just come on over? And they're like, yeah, let's do it. I think that scene was absolutely hilarious. I was like, laugh out loud, all near tears, like, especially when like John Cho's character bites the dust. The what was it? the leopard? Mm, he just, yeah. mm. and then like, God the bounty hunter, please, that's hilarious, instead of dog the bounty hunter. I just thought that that scene was unbelievable. <laughs> it was so funny.
1: It's funny. Like, that is a moment, and actually you are kind of correct. Chris Evans just texted them to show up.
2: Did, did he? Yeah. Amazing. Really? It's like a fun little Marvel reunion. Wow. How fun.
1: Because uh, uh, Chris Evans seems to be a delightful guy that everyone likes mm. to be friends with. So, yeah, uh, he makes sense as a producer. He can just text up famous people to show up in his movie um, at the drop of a hat. But, no, like, I think that scene... I really enjoyed it, too. And I think it does something that a lot of the movie doesn't do, which is it has an element of surprise. And if you're going to make this type of movie, this is an old template we've seen a billion times, and it's going to be made a billion more times in the future. If you can't take like a really fun like wrinkle on it, like it's just not going to really click, I think, in the way it needs to. And it was a scene like this that I thought, this is where you should be looking with your movie. like There is genuine surprise that. Because we are all used to the star cameo in one of these movies. And the fact that they, like, had Anthony Mackie show up, and I immediately was, like, suddenly, like, looking at my phone quickly, like, wait, is Anthony Mackie in this? I didn't realize he was a cast member of this. And then, boom, even before I could look it up, you know, you had John Cho showing up. That, I thought, was so fun. And delivered in a way that, you know, I won't remember a lot of this movie six months from now, but I will remember that sequence.
2: Exactly. We just have to kind of forget that, like, God, the bounty hunter, who's like a specialist bounty hunter, didn't hear a car coming at him full speed. Like, we'll just have to (laughs) ignore that part, but still fun.
1: Yeah.
0: Plot details. Let's not get bogged down in these things, you know?
2: It's true. You just got to turn your brain off. Like I said, just turn your brain off. Don't think too hard. It doesn't want you to.
0: (laughs) This film does not want you to think. Nope. No, please do not think. But I know, I completely agree as well. I think it's a, a really fun scene. And I was convinced that they'd shot Sebastian Stan away from the other two, like it was composited together. Because mm. there is a lot of blue screen work in this mm-hmm. film and you can see the seams a lot of the time, which is it, a budgetary thing. I understand these constraints. I'm not going to complain too much about it. But I actually found out from watching the behind-the-scenes stuff that they are in that car together. Mm. So, he, yeah, uh, I, I mean, it's also quite fun to find out from Cam telling me that he did just text these people because obviously they have a really strong friendship. But it's also fun to know that Chris Evans' friendship with Scarlett Johansson isn't strong enough to bring her back <laughs> into the film. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they did kill her off in the Marvel uh, Universe, so maybe that's what it is. Maybe maybe she's bitter about that.
1: Possibly.
2: Maybe, because it should have always been Hawkeye. Should have been Hawkeye off that ledge. Mm. Oh.
0: <laughs> Throwing down, Shayla. Okay, why, why should it have been Hawkeye? Come on.
2: I just don't like him as much. I like him, but I just think that... Black Widow deserved to survive more.
0: What did you think of the Black Widow film?
2: I liked it. It wasn't like top-tier Marvel or anything like that. Like even talking about mm-hmm. it now I don't even really remember it, but I was never bored. I know that much. Like I don't I didn't come away being like, "Oh, that sucked." I thought it was a fine film.
1: It might have been top-tier late-stage Marvel, although looking mm. at uh, kind of the the territory we're standing in now. It's it's no Eternals. No it is I didn't not. even
2: see that one. I don't but I hear awful things about that one too. So.
0: Just go with your gut and leave mm. it there. It's absolutely fine. <laughs> uh, but hey, at least you get Moonraker in in uh, Black Widow.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that yeah, that was nice. I liked that.
0: That's a nice touch. But uh,
1: Cam, I'll throw it to you something you liked. I thought the villain casting was fun, and mm. a lot of these movies have very generic villains because obviously the star is in theory the chemistry between the two leads. And so you often get, like, a character actor popping up as kind of a disposable villain. But I thought that, like, Adrian Brody, I have no idea what he was doing in this movie. But if you're going to give me a kind of generic villain, give me, like, someone like Adrian Brody who's, like, I'm going to play this as some sort of, like, bizarre French character that uh, I don't even know what he's up to that much. But every time he's on screen, I'm like, that is is like a, a movie star. That is someone who can walk on, do something strange, and I'm paying attention. And... To a lesser degree in terms of um, you know, time on screen, but I thought Tim Blake Nelson showing up as like this Russian torture expert who's using insects, I was like, this guy is the best. I love Tim Blake Nelson when he shows up. He was fantastic on the Watchmen TV show from HBO a while back, but he's just one of those invaluable character actors. He's actually going to be back in the Marvel universe pretty soon as the leader. But to me, he was so much fun and I was genuinely disappointed that he was dispatched so quickly because I would have happily watched him a little bit more. And uh, I will say, as someone who has dealt with ants in their apartment relatively recently, his whole ant torture element uh, really struck a chord with me. Oh, yikes. Mm.
0: It's it's interesting that we have finally had proof on the show. Those that have been listening since the beginning, we finally have verbal proof. That Cam is terrible with accents in films because he just gave a stamp of approval to Tim Blake Nelson
1: in Ghosted because that might be—it's a terrible accent, but that's the—that's the joy of it. Like he's just completely going over the top, campy.
2: Okay, fine. Even Adrian Brody was like French-ish. Yeah. Like I—I I don't like his accent was all over the place, <laughs> but he was still fun.
0: Yeah, he was. I—I don't know. I just it, that Tim Blake Nelson guy really just threw me off because he couldn't like nail down what he was. He just sort of bounced around a lot. But I'll agree with Adrian Brody. I think he nailed it.
1: Yeah. And even Mike Moe, who uh played Bruce Lee in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as more mm-hmm. of the physical adversary, the one who has the fight with Chris Evans, like, I would like to see what he could do with a little more of a fleshed out part, because even just like in the action moments he was pretty pretty commendable. Yeah. Fair enough.
0: And speaking of action moments, I'll chuck in my like then. And it, and it kind of connects to this week's interview, for those who sort of didn't hear it at the beginning, where we're speaking with Garrett Warren, who acted as the second unit director and the stunt coordinator for the film. Because I was watching this film, and I got to the end, and one of the things that jumped out to me was just how great the fight sequences were. Like, it reminded me a lot of a film we've mentioned uh, early on in this review, and there's a lot of connected tissue, is The Spy Who Dumped Me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That film is pretty average story great performances and it's elevated by its physical stunt performances turns out gary powell is the man behind that film and you can tell that sort of bond prestige came with him to that film carried through he knew what to do with the money they had and you know you look at um, garrett warren's filmography i mean this guy worked on logan film we mentioned earlier avatar he's had a long running career uh, working in stunts and second unit uh, direction and that has come through here. He has elevated those sequences that he has been in control of. So much so that I had to immediately email him when I finished watching this film to say, hey, this is fantastic. Do you want to come and speak with us? And he said, yes. Very pleased to bring you that interview later this week. But that's not happened to me before. I've not watched the film. And by the
1: end, I think I need to I need to email the stunt coordinator because it was that good. And Dexter Fletcher in interviews talked a lot about this bus sequence mm-hmm. and that like that was, it seems like his primary sort of focus on this movie. Yeah. And this is a guy that comes from musicals. And so like, he's very technically minded. So in some films we talk about, it's very much the director hands off the, the action stuff to the second unit and Mm -hmm. it's just gone. Whereas it seems like Dexter Fletcher was very involved in that and very passionate about that sequence. Maybe at the expense of some of the other things in the movie, I don't know, but it seems like he cared about that bus sequence and, and, I am at a point where I am so used to bad action in movies Mm -hmm. that it is a surprise when you see something that's well put together. And I think that is a little more where the uh, Raiders Lost Ark element comes into play. Like, you can look at that truck chase in Raiders, which is on a higher tier. I think everyone involved would agree with that. But you can still see that like there's an attempt to create a memorable truck chase in this movie, and it does click. Trying to use that sort of setting in interesting
0: ways, I think it's very successful at doing that. And of course, you also get a little shout out to a view to a killer in there as well. That's did right. Did? <laughs> everyone? Everyone's processing that when Bond is hanging off the ladder of the the, the fire truck. Oh, and then Chris right. Evans is hanging off. Oh, yes. Had to explain okay, that. Yes. Everyone at home got that, obviously, because you're all great spy movie fans. <laughs> we interrupt this
1: program to bring you a special report.
0: Calling all agents. Keeping the lights on at SpyHards HQ ain't cheap. And frankly, nor is feeding the school of attack piranhas.
1: So we need your help. Roger that, Scott. Only at the SpyHards Patreon can you gain access to exclusive shows like Agents in the Field, which tackles non-spy films starring your favorite spy icons, and The Debrief, where we channel our inner solitaires and predict how the big spy movie news of today will impact tomorrow. So make like a Treadstone agent and activate your Patreon
0: membership at patreon.com slash today.
1: Cam, tell the people what we have in our sights this week. Scott, we are returning to Kevin Costner's 1990s glory days to revisit 1992's The Bodyguard. Will we always love this movie? We will have to find out.
0: But before this message self-destructs, Cam, resume the spy chinks. Uh, but
1: I'll throw out to anyone else any other likes. I'll say, like, like just in terms of like the physical action stuff, like it, it's, it works. Like you believe Ana mm-hmm. De Armas is involved in action scenes, like absolutely. It's not a movie that is failing its actors at conveying them as action heroes in the movie. Like it does work. No, and you can see that, oh yeah, I
0: mentioned it earlier, she's been doing a lot of these sort of action spy films, or just action films recently. We've got Ballerina coming up soon, which is, again, kind of dipping its toe into the spy world as well. She seems to be like the new
1: action hero of our age, and I'm I'm glad to see it. Yeah, uh, I guess we'll see how long it lasts. Uh, I don't know that a couple of these have clicked with audiences, but you're one roll away, right? Yeah, well, you
0: know, No Time to Die. I think she's one of the highlights of that film. And, you know, Shayla, you were talking about that earlier. I don't think you could argue that Paloma was a, a downside to the film. No.
2: Yeah, no, she was an upside for sure. Loved mm. her. Absolutely loved her.
0: Um, I was just going to point out, I really just... And we mentioned it earlier, but I did like that role reversal of the male and female, the power dynamic shifting. I just wish that we had a male that... Isn't as like his story isn't that he's a bitter man a little bit like he he's he's very angry at the relationship and I get like being needy and being that kind of guy that needs affirmation or other kind of person not just guys everyone needs affirmation from time to
1: time but um it's he, he, he's not exactly endearing I I get the whole message of the you know the man over the mission kind of stuff or the mission over the man what whichever one it is mm. um. But it's a little weird to have, like, this role reversal. You've got the female action hero and have nothing but the guy poking holes in her profession and job performance throughout the entire run of the movie.
2: It's true. Because, like, she's not wrong. Like, for her being a spy, Mm -hmm. it is the mission over the man. Like, whether he likes it or not. Like, yes, obviously save your family and people you care about. But also, like, yeah, I don't know. It was her job.
0: It feels like we're verging on the dislike section, so let's take us over dislike Shayla Europe. Something you didn't quite like about Ghosted.
2: I didn't really like the scene with the ex-boyfriend, um, the one that had to get um Cole back to mm. America. I think that should have stayed a deleted scene. Like I know the director said there were no deleted scenes that could have been <laughs> one, and I, I think it I think it would have been a bit. Shayla has a note. <laughs> i do i do um just because like i found him like not 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 endearing i didn't like his character i i found his (laughs) hand really annoying i thought it was really weird that it only started creaking when he started like doing the motion he was doing like i don't i just he i didn't like it and plus he was jafar in aladdin and i i had a hard time oh that's the same guy oh
1: okay yeah yeah okay
2: yeah so, like, that was, like, hard to, like, I don't know. That made it weirder <laughs> for me for some reason. But I just, I don't know. I didn't like him. And and I was happy to see him go. There was a lot of, like, zingers coming out of him
1: that weren't funny. And it was, like, wall-to-wall lines that you're, yeah, like... Yeah, they're
2: not zingers. Uh,
1: okay. Okay, like, that's not particularly funny, yeah.
2: Exactly. Exactly, like he slowed down the pace of the movie or something. Like I'm like, you think you made a character that's like funny, but I just want you to go away. Like, where's those bounty hunters? Can we bring them in early to get rid of him? Like, I just, I didn't, I didn't find him fun.
0: I, I will say the, uh, the whole setup is flawed because his main characteristic, and and Shirley, you sort of mentioned it, but you didn't want to go out and flatly say it about his uh, lack of a hand. <laughs> And uh, he, he laments mm-hmm. his inability to use said hand. <laughs> um, I mean, I assume he has an other hand to fulfill that purpose. Yeah. I'm not sure why you would lament that loss. Right. I just find that a completely flawed argument. And I know I'm not painting the exact picture, folks. I'm hoping you're putting the pieces together.
2: <laughs> I mean, there would be one hand that you would be better at it with than the other so I get that he lost his dominant hand but he could figure it out I'm sure but like if you lose your dominant
0: hand your other one becomes your dominant hand and gets better at stuff like you like That's if you true. become blind all of a sudden your other senses get better like surely his left or his right whatever is the subdominant hand is now the best
2: you would think <laughs> But I... how have we got here why are we here
1: <laughs> we're back to Scott and his shadow wrestling <laughs> Oh, he's ghosting in the corner. <laughs> uh, well, say, save us, Cam, something you didn't like. I mean, we've talked about the uh, chemistry between the two, which I just think is really dead. Uh, bafflingly so. I just don't even understand like how these two are so flat together. But we've kind of talked about that, so I'm going to just pinpoint a scene just like Shayla did. We have just celebrated mere moments ago like the Hitman scene and how fun those cameos were. The Ryan Reynolds cameo at the end of this movie should have been on the cutting room floor. Dexter Fletcher says there's no deleted scenes. This was a deleted scene calling out to be a deleted scene. Look, people filmmakers out there having a Ryan Reynolds cameo is no longer special. He does them constantly. It's so true. He is just like everywhere. Hobbs and Shaw. I remember, but there's so many where he pops up quickly and This felt like, and I believe this was the case, he was in, you know, texting back and forth with Chris Evans and he's like, oh, I want to do something in this movie. That doesn't mean it has to make the finished film. And I seriously doubt Ryan Reynolds is sitting down with the family to watch Ghosted to see if his cameo is in the movie. I don't even understand, like, the real comedic conceit of this. It's just, like, I guess the joke is he doesn't have genitals anymore. But, like, it lands right in the middle of the big climactic action sequence. And it just disrupts all the flow. The whole movie stops dead. It reminded me a little bit of, do you remember the era earlier in the DVD era where they would put out like comedies, like 40-Year-Old Virgin or something, Mm -hmm. and it would be the extended for DVD version where they would just throw in like 20 minutes of deleted scenes that would completely disrupt the flow of the movie? That's what this felt like.
2: I did really like his, I got 20 vision though, that line, Mm. instead of 2020 because he has an eye patch. I thought that was funny. But then from there, all of his dialogue was downhill but his suit looked like james bond and tomorrow never or in the world is not enough that was cool
1: it did yeah it was more like placement like it's not particularly funny but Mm. there's other characters that aren't funny in this movie why like why place that character there true
0: It, it, it begs the question if chris evans is texting all of his friends to come and be on this film did any of his friends ghost him and not reply which avenger said no to this well all of the main ones. Yeah, where's Robert Downey Jr. in Ghosted? <laughs> Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't. I don't think they would have. Uh, could you imagine Chris Hemsworth popping up in that
1: assassin scene? I would have liked that. That would have been nice. Me. Mm, yeah. I'd, maybe he's too much of a star. And I know Ryan Reynolds yeah. is a big star too, but he likes playing weird kind of quirky bits. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, if you suddenly have Chris Hemsworth walk out. That is, like, the biggest action star in the room.
2: Would have been funny, though, to just, like, also have him come on and just, like, kill him in a scene. Because, he, like, he's really good at comedic stuff. And maybe if they would have actually had him instead of Ryan Reynolds, maybe, like, he could have made that scene better.
1: Hmm? I, I Yeah. I, I wonder, too, how Chris Hemsworth would have played the lead role in this movie. Because I think of him in, like, for example, the Ghostbusters uh, 2016 movie. He's, mm-hmm. like, really funny in that, and despite being this towering, you know, mountain of a man, can play very, like, goofy, and it would, I wonder if it would almost feel a little bit like Channing Tatum in The Lost City, which I thought, like, that was a movie doing the romancing, the stone story, but, like, with a fun twist where, like, the Channing Tatum character is a complete idiot, like a total mm-hmm. himbo, Yeah. and I wonder if, like, that's something, like, Chris Hemsworth would have brought, a little more of that kind of sensitive himbo-ish quality versus, like... Chris Evans has a lot of strengths, but I don't think he's very good at kind of playing naive and very like, well, just like a shrinking violet kind of type. Well, I've not
0: seen him do it successfully yet, let's put Mm. it that way. He could still crack it, but yeah, now you mention it, Chris Hemsworth in Ghostbusters is a very good shout, because he's definitely got that sort of we know he's a physical specimen, he is a a donus of a man, we could stare at him for hours frankly, but uh, just me maybe, but I understand that he can play funny and geeky, and yeah, the the film pays it off as if like everyone thinks he's the ugliest guy in the universe, and mm. you kind of buy into it. Yeah. So, and this film kind of wants to do the same thing with with Chris Evans, despite the fact that that's impossible.
1: I, I like that, like they're like constantly saying he's a farmer, he's a farmer. I'm like, boy, <laughs> like that was the only angle they had. They're like, <laughs> they didn't come up with like. When you look at, like, Romancing the Stone, the Kathleen Turner character is, like, a romance novelist. This mm-hmm. is a woman who lives a life of fantasies, and so it makes so much sense why you would take that character and drop her in, like, an actual romance novel plot. Or when you look at um, The Lost City, where it's Channing Tatum is, like, a male model who winds up, you know, this char- who who plays the character on the cover of Sandra Bullock's novels. Makes mm-hmm. sense to drop him in this adventure. I don't know, like is there a real like connection between a farmer being dropped in a spy movie? Well, they did try build that sort of uh his background in agriculture into the plot at some point. I didn't understand that, Scott. I will legit say I did not understand when he revealed the code.
0: No, I didn't like it. it reminded me a lot of um Bond knowing some like really obscure plant names in one of the Bond films. I can't recall off the top of my head now. yeah
1: uh like it It seems like knowledge that no one should know off top of their heads and also just like spotting the plant in the room and saying mm. like the genetic whatever is the code for the um aztec device i'm like wait how did he make the jump that that's the password
0: well this is where that problem comes in of him just being a very adept spy all of a sudden because not only is he a physic like able to beat up trained assassins he also has the sort of aptitude to deduce things like that at the drop of a hat. It, it, it's a it it's a the plot requires him to someone to have that knowledge. It, I would just rather it have been Anna Darmers, yeah, that figured it out because she is the one who's been doing it for a very long time. True,
2: but it was like a plant in a picture that he that's yeah yeah right okay mm-hmm. yeah. I thought that I kind of liked that that because like he was gonna write a book in the history of like agriculture or something, wasn't he?
0: Yeah, that's the setup and payoff of it. That's, like, how they get you in there. But it just feels like he he gets a lot from just a tiny little photo that he's... And he understands, oh, like, I how it inputs into the Aztec device. And, it, I mean, it's all a big MacGuffin thing that makes no sense anyway. But it's just weird that he's able to put that all together with no sort of foundation in that world.
2: Okay, I gotcha. All I think right. that's what Camp's getting
0: at, anyway. Yeah. 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 Oh, no, okay. Um. My thing connects to Anna Diamis, and it's something that no one's mentioned yet. And it's the biggest annoyance I have with this film.
1: And that is the wig maker. <laughs> I heard people mention this, and I I don't have wig dar. I do have hair dye, or whatever, whatever that would be. Like, Chris Evans's hair was noticeably very dark. It looked dyed to me throughout the entire movie. But the wig thing, speak to that, Scott. Bro, uh, how
0: could you not notice the awful, awful wig work in this film? Anna is—you don't notice mine, do you? Not. <laughs> <laughs> you wish. You wish you had Anna Diamas' wig. <laughs> hey, I do. I'll take it. I, I I'll take anything. But it, it, it's, it's some of the. I mean, I remember seeing the trailer for this film and being like, "This is a choice. What are they? What have they put on her head? Please get it off her head." And I thought at some point that she would take it off as like a disguise, like it was. They uh, yeah, were like, "Oh." that sort of Mission Impossible, take the rubber mask off. It's, oh, it's me underneath. It was me, Austin. But no, it, it's genuinely her hair. And you can even see the bump of where they've hidden her hair in the back of her head. It's so messily done. And it's oh. so clearly not her hair colour as well. Her eyebrows don't match it. And I know that's not always the case. And we're not going to do like Chris Hemsworth in Thor where they dye his eyebrows blonde. It looks ridiculous. Yeah. But there are ways of mitigating it and blending things together. This film makes no effort to blend it together. And then... To add insult to injury, and I know I'm going off on one about wigs, people. You are very passionate about the wigs. I'm loving this. It gets worse because at the end of the film, there is a future scene where she has her natural hair and it looks great. And you just like, where has this been for two hours? She has great fine black hair that she should have out styled proudly. And they hide it the entire film. And for like the, it actually feels like it all falls into place at that last second. Because it looks like her head. Mm-hmm. Discuss.
2: I had all these same thoughts. You're not alone. You are not alone, Scott. Thank you. I felt the same way. I didn't understand why they had the blonde stuff going on. And in the last scene, I was like, "There it is. She looks. That's that's her hair. That's great." I don't know why they decided to do that. I, I, but I'm with you. I did notice that.
0: It's nice. I'm not
1: the only one with a wig dar.
2: Nope. I'm. <laughs> I got a good wig dar.
1: <laughs> was anyone with me with the hair dye dar? When is that hair dar? <laughs> sure. I don't know. Uh, n-
0: n- well, I can't say it jumped out to me actually. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. It, it,
2: I didn't notice it with Chris, but I definitely have the hair dye dar hair hair dar whichever it is. Like for other movies like if, you know, the hair is so dark and the eyebrows are so dark and you know it just doesn't mm-hmm. work. But yeah. with Chris I didn't notice so much. But maybe that's just mm. because Anna's was just like so glaringly bad. It was like ill fitting as well.
0: Like it wasn't just the color, it was like badly made and applied. I I don't want to besmirch the filmmakers in that sense because these are people that are, you know below the line doing Hair and makeup, but it's just like as a, at a direction level, he should have been like, This is a bad look, we've got to rethink this and I'll come up with a better wig or have her have her natural hair. There's lots of reasons behind the scenes they could have been having a wig, maybe they were trying to protect her hair to doing another shoot or something like that. I don't know what it is, but it just looks bad.
1: Well, I think you have a certain responsibility, and I, it goes upwards. Like the director should have been noting this as well. Like, if you are making a movie like this with two massive movie stars that you want to be this kind of glamorous romantic comedy, they need to look good. Mm -hmm. You look at something like Mr. and Mrs. Smith, which we haven't talked about on the show, I'll just say, like, it's not one of the all-time greatest films in the history of cinema. But those two stars look incredible in every frame of that movie. Mm -hmm. And we've seen other films like that in the spy genre. You know, there's Bond films, for example. Look at Anna Darmus and Daniel Craig in No Time to Die. They look like a million bucks. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to make a movie where you are selling us about two attractive people who, you know, should be together because they're so attractive, put a little more effort into perhaps the wig making or the dye jobs.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Apparently, Dexter Fletcher's wigdar is not on point.
0: Maybe not. Maybe not. Mm. Well, I think we'll go to final notes before we look at the knock list. I had a couple of things I wanted to go through, but Shayla, do you have any notes for us?
2: I thought that the finale was kind of fun with the revolving restaurant. Yeah. I don't think that a revolving restaurant can go at those speeds. Um, <laughs> I hope yeah, not. Yeah. I hope no. Not. Like, yeah.
1: It's like a gravitron.
2: Right. That's what I was gonna say. It's a really sick gravitron, though. Like, could you imagine being on a gravitron that you could see out of? Like with like, because the ones I was in as a kid, you could, you just were stuck to the wall and you couldn't see anything. But mm. the concept of a gravitron that you can see through. Uh, I think it's pretty cool. However, I do think it would probably just stall uh and not speed up, but I still thought that that was fun because it was something that I've never seen before. And I read apparently too that that revolving restaurant is in downtown Vancouver, which Oh, it's that one? I think. I don't I saw that on IMDb trivia, so that could be a lie.
1: Oh, I mean we do have one. I didn't realize it was shot at that location because I know there's like others in the world, but oh that's that makes sense because they do shoot so many things here.
2: Yeah, I, but but then like it, Vancouver wasn't in the shooting location list either. But so mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true or false. But I did think that that was like kind of a fun finale just to sort of, you know, shut your brain off to and be like, Oh, look at them spinning. And like, I liked just how they had to like pull each other with momentum. I thought that was cool. And mm-hmm. it was just like a cool thing. That would be my only other note. I just thought the finale was kind of cool.
0: I agree. I think it was a a really fun sequence and something like you said we haven't seen before. It, it's an interesting take, and I, I'm glad to know that Cam can go there now in Vancouver and say, "Hey, <laughs> give give me the
1: ghosted. Let's crank this puppy up."
2: Yeah, you can picture it up to the wall. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the effects were a little rough in spots, but it's showing me something I haven't seen before. Yeah, so exactly. like I appreciated that, and plus I do appreciate any movie that gives the villains really over the top deaths. And both Adrian Brody and Mike Moe got pretty cool deaths in this sequence.
2: Yep, I agree.
1: Yeah, that was, uh, especially the the gears, I think like a pretty bad way to go. Oof, that's awful.
2: That reminded me of Elliot Carver, sort of, in like a different yeah, yeah. Of way. Hilarious, though, too, that he went through those gears and no blood, nothing, just, you know, like, yeah. could splash. Like, I don't know. I guess they didn't want to, I don't know, buy fake blood for that scene, but I can't imagine no blood would come out of being having your body separated by some gears.
1: That was a rating thing, right?
2: Oh, okay, that would do
1: Yeah, that. it would be ratings. And, I mean, yeah. Chris Evans would have looked like a Jackson Pollock painting walking away from that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That
1: would have been a, a different
0: ending altogether. Um, in terms of notes, uh, firstly, I, had a, I have two questions. I have, might even have three if I have time. The first question is, how many times
1: do you think they say the word tax man in this film? A lot. I did appreciate they brought up the Aztec device, which is the MacGuffin of the movie. Mm -hmm. And we have seen so many things lately, like Spy Kids Armageddon or um, Oh, Heart of Stone, where they say the name of the MacGuffin over and over and over. I was Mm -hmm. appreciative they did not say Aztec a billion times, but they kind of made up for it with Taxman.
2: Is there official? Do you have an official count?
1: I have the number. Oh, I have the number. Nineteen. Nineteen. Okay. You say nineteen. Okay. I'm gonna say. I'm going to go a little bit... Should I go lower? I'll say 15. Wow, you just
0: uh, you killed yourself there, Cam. It's 42 times. <laughs> Whoa!
2: Oh, wow. What? Wow!
0: If you do the math, it's like basically once every two minutes, roughly, they say the word tax man in this film.
2: That's crazy. I must have like blacked it out after, like blocked it out after a while. I remember hearing it 42 times.
1: Me too. Did they only use the term taxman so they could play that song at the end? Yeah, they build up to that joke basically. That's that's the whole point. Chuckles abound. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I
0: I did have a dislike for the the score actually. I, there's a lot of like soundtrack choices that are very heavy-handed in
1: this in this film.
2: You didn't like my Sharona?
1: I liked the song. <laughs> <laughs> it felt like they found their inspiration for the needle drops in this movie by wandering through grocery stores. <laughs> It feels like a. There's like there's a. I
0: think like Uptown Funk drops in at some point, and it's just like.
2: Uh. Yeah, I didn't like that one.
1: There's the that song. Are you gonna be my girl? That showed yeah. up as well. I was like, in a lot of
2: these things. Oof. I liked that one because that that was a. I thought that was a fun fight scene song. She's kicking ass on the plane or whatever. And are you gonna be my girl? I I liked it.
0: All right, Shayla's coming out swinging for it. No, no, I was less less positive. <laughs> I'll let you have it, Shayla. That's (laughs) fine. You can have that one. Um, The other question I had, and this is a a general sort of like, we're all people in the world kind of question, and this film deals with, and its namesake is ghosting. Have you ever been ghosted?
1: Uh, I've been ghosted. No, I don't think so. The, the thario over here I keep know. hoping you will ghost me but no um, <laughs> <laughs> I to the best of my memory I don't think so no
2: I don't think so either I cuz you have to like go on dates and want to date people to to get ghosted and I just would rather not so <laughs> <laughs> fair enough
0: <laughs> like, Th- these two are cu- cool as a cucumber I'm out here sweating just like waiting for
1: someone <laughs> to reply to a text some... well uh, on the press tour, both Anna de Armas and Chris Evans said they'd been ghosted before.
2: Wow. Imagine. So,
1: it happens to everyone. Who is ghosting Anna de Armas, please? Wouldn't be me. Well, what are someone
0: you doing in your life? Yeah, that's that's fair. And just a, a, a question for, you know, a, a, again, more of a romance question. Is going to London after meeting someone on a first date romantic or stalker material? Oh,
2: Stalker.
1: Stalker. stalker. Big time. Stalker, stalker, stalker. It is unforgivable, and the only reason this movie is able to skate by on it is because he looks like Chris Evans. Had you had Paul Giamatti in that role? <laughs> 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 Which is always my go-to <laughs> for some reason, and I'm sorry, Paul Giamatti. I'm looking forward to the holdovers. I'm sure it's great, but yes, you swap out those actors, and this is, like, terrifying.
2: <laughs> no, it's true, though. You're absolutely right. Like... <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh yeah. He he's it's it oh my god. I don't, I don't even know how she forgave it. I think that's wild. I Yeah. Oh, the date wasn't that good. I mean, it was good enough I guess that she changed her whole outfit and shoes somehow d- throughout the duration. I assume she must have had them in her car or something, but still, <laughs> it's kind of weird. But it's also it's one date, and like the way that they talk
1: about it through the rest of the movie, it's like, oh, is he your boyfriend and all that? And he's like, yeah. <laughs>
2: it's Like <laughs> what? <laughs> like they went out once. <laughs> True. Uh, oh.
0: I'm I'm getting the feeling that these two are really like cool in like dating scenarios. They do not overshow affection for a while because they're both like, no way, no way. I'm like, oh, maybe it could be romantic. <laughs> I'm, I'm the loser over here.
2: Whoopsie. <laughs> I'm an aquarian so it takes me a very long time to show any kind of anything to anybody. Mm. So I think that's what it is. Like remain cool as a cucumber, get to know them as friends and then make the leap to London.
1: Sure. Don't make
2: the leap after <laughs> the first
1: date. Don't go straight to London. Yeah, no, don't. Yeah. And I'm a I'm a Scorpio so we're notoriously uh <laughs> Yeah, notoriously aloof.
0: I have no idea what being a Virgo means but I am one so nothing good okay <laughs> it's the worst no one wants to be a virgo apparently stay away yeah. stay away and i will also finally throw it in. i know i'm stamping on because i'm sure cam has a note or two i don't know if you remember cam but we did walk past that place in london yeah on our little walk around tour when you came here a few months ago
1: yeah although we were celebrating it more for being a location from spider-man far from home than we were for um ghosted
0: that's very true. That is very true. But yeah, we did sort of walk across that underpass where he gets kidnapped. Yeah, that's true. World. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't, we didn't know at the time that we were doing
1: the ghosted tour, but, uh, you know, there you go. Small world. But camp, do you have a note for us at all? Well, I'm, now I want to circle back to what we were talking about. Like, it only works because Chris Evans looks like Chris Evans. Okay. What about the whole, like, bedroom selfie that he has as his, like, Oof. background on his phone? That's weird. <laughs> that's freaking weird. Even that's I know date. that's weird.
0: <laughs> but it's, and like, I, it's no consent. That's the real issue I have with it. Like, he's taking yeah. it without her saying it's fine. It's, she's asleep. That's, that's weird.
1: <sighs> Is, I mean, look, I'm sure, like, men could write this movie but is part of the problem is you don't have like a female writer to like oversee the kind of like the gen- the gender swapping of these roles because i don't know like maybe that would have added something because it does feel like it's a lot of creepy behavior that maybe like a male writing team and male director are just like yeah and <laughs> what's the problem <laughs> yeah but then like the photo thing is mocked by the sister so i I that doesn't get yeah. by without being mentioned but it lets him off the hook because he's a romantic, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: that, that is that 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 is true. Uh, it is pretty unforgivable. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's any other like bad things that happen in that sort of sense. The, the photo was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. The older, uh,
1: the sort of uh, George Costanza leave behind, is uh, also pretty bad. That was also weird because he's like, oh my god, what am I gonna do? I've got to get my asthma inhaler at her house, and I'm like. What? But you could easily get one from a pharmacy. <laughs>
0: that he never needs again for the rest of the film, I'll also you're add. Right!
2: Oh, you're you right! It!
1: And why was there a tracker on it? Like, these things are pretty disposable. I feel like people with asthma have other means of getting
2: inhalers. <laughs> he just liked putting trackers on anything, everything. He had trackers, a tracker on his cash box, too. It's just like what he did in his spare time, just tracked his stuff. Just for fun, I guess.
0: Huh. It's pretty creepy.
2: Yeah. But it is still yeah. Like he, I'm still with you though. Like he should have just gone to the pharmacy and gotten another inhaler. He didn't. He didn't need to go to London. No. To get his inhaler back.
0: But it's crazy that he doesn't like any of the action sequences. Just go like, oh, hang on, and take a puff of it just to sort of pay it off. He doesn't once do it.
1: That would have shown maybe a little bit of vulnerability to the character that would have helped.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, like, he. oh, I can't do this. I'm actually having an asthma attack. Please yeah. help Ana the Armas. And then, you know, I'll do my pump and get my breath back.
1: Yeah. I have a scene of her talking him through like an asthma attack. because Having a panic attack yeah. because of it as well. Like it's coming down on him. Yeah. They're in danger and only her training can get them through this because he is having a complete breakdown. Like, give me that scene.
2: We're rewriting this movie to be a better movie. <laughs> we fixed it, guys. Chris Hemsworth instead of Chris Evans. An inhaler scene man, we are fixing this. The, the earth is healing. <laughs>
0: and and make sure that they're not, they're not a
1: Virgo. <laughs> a- and the fact that um, Dexter Fletcher said there was no deleted scenes. It's not even like they cut an inhaler scene from later in the movie. It's like, he's saying, nope, we had it all. Nope. Well, we clearly didn't. Yeah. yeah um, a couple notes I had, I was very excited to see the steps from the exorcist. I thought mm-hmm. that was wonderful. Um, and yeah, like just give me more famous movie locations. Even in like uh, you know, kind of a, a clunky thing like this. I'm like, ooh, that reminds me of a movie I really love. <laughs> oh, that was when I enjoyed cinema. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Like I got to visit the steps from John Wick chapter four mm-hmm. during my Europe trip. So maybe I should just do like a tour of famous steps of movies. So I need to go to Washington, DC and see the Exorcist Steps and the and to Philadelphia to see the steps from Rocky. Do you know what you should call the steps? Ah, oh, I ruined my own joke. Do you know what you should call the trip? The thirty-nine steps?
0: Yeah, that was the joke. Yeah, 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 I knew you were going with that. I I everyone's groaning at home that I ruined the joke, but just imagine if I pulled it off, guys. Just imagine how fun that would have been.
2: We'll never know now.
1: <laughs> nope. <laughs> yep, nope, nope. <laughs> dead. Oh well dead. Change of subject. Uh, a couple other notes I had. Um Chris Evans is a beekeeper in this movie. Um In January, we're going to have a new Jason Statham spy film called The Beekeeper. What is it with beekeepers and spies these days? Is this your stand-up act? What's the deal (laughs) with beekeepers? (laughs) What's the deal (laughs) with the bees? I, I'm not answering that one. You ruined my joke. I'm gonna ruin yours. Okay, fair enough. The other note I had was we find out Chris Evans has never traveled. Like that is his great insecurity, which must be a wonderful insecurity to have in life. If my greatest insecurity is that I've never traveled, like <laughs> problem solved. But um we find out that he had a trip to like a, a trip to Spain during spring break that he canceled on. And suddenly he's like, Oh, I've got that voucher. Wouldn't that voucher be like 20 years old and would it still be good? Well, let me tell you a little bit of, uh inside
0: baseball when it comes to airlines. Yeah. They're notoriously stiff with their money. I have been fighting for the last year to keep a voucher that I got given during the lockdown because I wasn't able to fly, funnily enough, to Vancouver. Mm. And that has been a struggle. That's two years. Yeah. This is like 20 years ago he went to go on spring break impossible took me out of the film completely minus five stars
2: (laughs) (laughs) no stars for you (laughs) Uh,
1: and also like 20 years of inflation i'm sure that voucher was probably for like a (laughs) hundred dollars it will cover his baggage (laughs) yeah weird weird plot point like why not just have him acknowledge that i can i could pay for a ticket (laughs) i'm okay I think I think Cam needs to sort of uh
0: workshop your stand-up act a little bit though.
1: Mm, okay, fair enough. Fair mm. enough. Mm. Also, why is he working in that market? Like <laughs> <He's doing laughs> <it again. laughs> What's
2: the deal with markets? Market.
1: Like Is he making any money at that market we see him at? Like no, because he abandons he he it,
2: he left, he it <laughs> and
1: then he takes over that other woman's booth and like is trying to talk people out of buying that woman's stuff. I'm like, this guy should not be working in the market. He should just be like in a field somewhere, alone. <laughs> what you are listening to is three people unraveling,
0: trying to put uh, any sense to a film they've just watched. It's 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 insane. Uh, I I I don't know Cam, but uh, that whole him leaving the tent and just going off on a date. They they did add a line in though with the family just to sort of cover up that sort of plot
1: point. Did anyone catch that? Um, he said, was it he got his father or something like that to. Yeah, the dad said, uh, oh, don't worry, I packed up the thing like you asked. Yeah. So that must have been like a, oh, we forgot about that. Yeah. And that was yeah. like Tate Donovan playing his mm-hmm. father. Um, and I thought it was weird that they like, they seemed to like style him almost on like an Amish man or something like that. Like the styling going on with Tate Donovan. With no mustache that like, they'd taken it off. It's weird. It was weird. And you had Amy Sedaris as his mom typically she's someone who's like known for being really funny and I don't think this movie gave her anything funny uh, she's in the blooper reel and all
0: of her lines are different oh. so I have a feeling it's all sort of ad-libbed interesting oh, Okay. and she's actually quite funny in the outtakes okay she's very saucy in the outtakes a lot of uh, a yeah. lot of uh,
1: crass humor let's put it that way Adrian Brody said he did a lot of improv and that all of it was cut <laughs> I I thought there were no cuts, Cam. I thought it was a perfect Uh, film. I think there was bloopers, but there weren't any scenes that were Uh, not featured in the finished film. Right. Okay. Okay.
0: Well, we've clearly lost our minds. Cam is over there working on his stand-up act. (laughs) Let's knock this one off the list. Shayla, over to you. As you're the guest, you always go first. Do you think Ghosted should be making the knock list?
2: Absolutely not. It should not be making the knock list. It should be ghosted from the knock list if that's even possible. Great film. Keep it away from any lists of goodness. Like there's positive lists and negative lists. Keep it on the negative one, not the knock one. Mm-hmm. That's a positive one.
0: Resolute in your answer. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So that's a no. No to ghosted. Cam, what
1: about you? Can you save this film? Can you resurrect the spirit? I'm the wrong person to ask. Uh <laughs> Yeah, it's a no for me. I will say this. Like, I looked at my letterbox after I'd watched the movie, and it is, like, a sea of people who are, like, giving it, like, half-star reviews and things like that. Like, just, like, the angriest, you know, like, spiteful critiques of this movie. And I'm like, come on, guys. There's Mm -hmm. so many worse things out there. Like, it falls completely flat in the chemistry department. But, like, it's more generic to me than, like, something truly offensive. I just thought, like, to me, it just, nothing really clicked, and I'm kind of watching a lesser example of things I've seen done far better. And there's a lot of absurdities or elements to the movie that we're scratching our head over, but this is not, like, the worst of the worst. You and I have talked about far worse things on this show. Like, I would happily rewatch this over, I don't know, Spy Kids 3, or I'm sure there's other things you can think of. Those Harry Palmer TV movies. The Man in Black films. The second one, and probably the fourth, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, it is it it is a shame, but I. what can you do? The, the, I don't think it is a, a one-star film by any stretch of the imagination. I don't know where they're coming from with those reviews.
1: I think it may be, honestly, a bit of blowback against this sort of era of, eh, one could say, generic streaming content, mm-hmm. where you're seeing a yeah. lot of films show up on Netflix, or in this case, Apple, or Amazon, where they feel like they're kind of delivering lowest common denominator action films mm-hmm. that don't really strive for a lot more. And it may just be a general sense of fatigue about that sort of thing. And I don't even know if this movie is the example of the worst of that kind of output, so much as it was one of the more recent big, noisy, star-studded ones.
0: No, and I, I do agree, Cam, and it, you know there is this sort of it's changed a little bit now because you know apple and netflix are making films that are getting cinematic releases and then being put on their system you know there's one at the moment that the killer the david fincher film is having a small theatrical release and then going straight to netflix thing at the end of the, this week of recording mm-hmm. and i think they're going to spend a bit more time on the films if they're going to get a theatrical release not just thrown out for everyone to watch at you know whenever they want so maybe this is sort of the end of that wave of just director streaming. Like, I don't think we're gonna get a Grey Man 2 or Citadel 2 or anything like that. I think
1: that sort of stuff is done. Yeah, or um Red Notice as well was another famous example. Yeah. Despite it being number one on Netflix. Sure. Whatever
0: that means. Heart of Stone, another one that, you know, jumped yeah. out to us. Yeah. hmm Sure. Well, okay, that's two no's uh so Ghosted won't be making the knock List and my vote is completely pointless. So I'm going to say uh, yes because I really love uh, The Beatles and hearing The Tax Man is great. Uh, of course I can't say that. It's, uh, it was a fun film. I agree with Shayla. It, it's a fun film. There's things to like in this film. I think we did talk about the good stuff and we've talked about the bad and put them together and there you have the facts of life. But I can't in good conscience say this is the need to see spy film of, of 2023 there's too many problems in there. I think the script is really where it comes down, is, is, is sort of the foundation coming up in this film, and it all falls apart from there. So, yeah, it's a note from me as well. Three no's. Ghosted is not making the Knockles, and as such, a dossier on the film is complete and filed as classified. Shayla, fifth time's a charm, or fourth, or sixth. We don't know.
2: <laughs> the mystery, double o seventh, perhaps.
0: Oh. oh, or you could be 006 and we have to kick you off of a radar dish. Oh,
2: I'll mm. take it. I mean, I'll have to break in eight different pieces the way that, the way that Sean Bean <laughs> kind of disintegrated. But whatever, I'm here for it.
0: You get a glorious death. Yeah, so that. Yeah. yeah, love it. Memorable, memorable. <laughs> but it's been great to have you back on the show, Shayla. If people want to hear more from you, where can they find you online?
2: Uh, They can find me on Twitter and Instagram as Shaylay, S-H-A-Y-L-A-Y-Y. Those are the big ones, I guess, I'd say. you Come chat. Chat spy movies, chat Bond, chat tattoos, anything. I'm down to chat.
0: Shayla has some killer Bond tattoos. I think you can see some of them on the Instagram page there. You've uh, outdone yourself. For England. For England. Is that is that your motto going into the yeah. tattoo session? <laughs> Just like...
2: absolutely. And I'm excited actually because coming up next month, I am getting. I don't even know if I should announce this. No, but I will. I'm getting um, Sanchez's iguana, tattooed <gasps> on my other arm. Wow! Uh... <laughs> I'm very excited.
0: I'm excited. I'm I want to see this. Yeah, this is that's that's tremendous. You can pretend it talks to you as well.
2: Yeah, like I'm excited. It's gonna have the diamond choker and everything. It's gonna be yes. my my new pet. I'm very like. Did what? Did it ever have a name? Like, did he give it a name, or was it just iguana? I don't remember a name. Me neither. But I just like throw it out to the universe,
0: listeners. Did the iguana have a name? Let us know at spyhards at Shaylay. Let <laughs> us know because we want to know if that iguana had a name. Yeah. Hmm. but it's been a pleasure Shayla thank you once again and everyone you'll find links in the show notes below if you want to find Shayla online I'm sure she'll be tagged in all of our social media posts because that's what we do Shayla thank you very much
2: thank you so much it's been a blast as always and I can't wait for number 6 or 7 or 8 or wherever, whatever time I'm on again
1: (laughs) 67 yeah you know
0: Well, there you go, folks. That was our chat about 2023's Ghosted. Cam, what a time. It was indeed, Scott. We lost our minds by the end of the episode, but uh, I think we had some fun. But uh, the question, as always, goes to you, Mr. Smith. What are we talking about next week?
1: Scott, we are closing out a franchise hopefully. Uh, We are looking at the second and third Cats and Dogs films. We're looking at Cats and Dogs 2, The Revenge of Kitty Galore from 2010, and Cats and Dogs 3, Paws Unite from 2020. This franchise has taken us on a real journey, and let's see where we wind up by the end of this episode.
0: We chose to put these two films together because uh, Cats and Dogs 3, despite having a, a UK theatrical release, was actually put out on basically DVD and Blu-ray everywhere else around the world, probably on streaming as well. So it was uh, it's kind of on the cusp of something we would cover. So we decided to just roll them both into one review uh, and uh, just continue to lose our minds a bit more. Mm-hmm. That's right. But don't worry, folks, we will find out if both of those films make the knock list. Can a 10-year hiatus between 2 and 3 cause it to rise to the level where it could be joining uh, some of the greatest films of all time? We will find out next week. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to join us next week as we take a look at Cats and Dogs 2, The Revenge of Kitty Galore, and Cats and Dogs 3, Paws Unite. And if you like what you heard on this episode, please Consider joining the SpyHards DieHards and leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening to this podcast. And do not forget to follow us discreetly, as always, on social media at SpyHards, that's S-P-Y-H-A-R-D-S, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But until next week, folks, I'll be working with Cam to improve his stand-up.